Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey guys, did you know that one man every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? But at Manscaped, they save balls. This means not only designing the right tools for the job, but raising awareness for the ball-busting disease, which is the most common form of cancer among men ages 15 to 35. Yes, you heard that correctly, 15 to 35. As part of Manscaped's brand mission, their partnership with Testicular Cancer Society aims to educate and entertain while spreading a very important message about early detection and self-screening to protect yourself against men's health issues and cancer risk. And of course, you know, for all of your needs, if you're just taking care of yourself and getting all cleaned up, your next lawnmower 3.0, a little bit of a spritzer, whatever you need down there, use promo code DNVR, save 20% off, plus free shipping, and help the proceeds go toward this amazing cause. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR20 on your first purchase to get 20% off DNVR25 for 25% off that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this show, we are very excited to bring on a guest, somebody whose work I've been a fan of for a very, very long time um, from Colorado Public Radio, host of the award-winning series Back From Broken, and a big Colorado sports fan and, and Rockies fan as well, Vic Vela. How are you, man? You guys, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're also doing well because there's there's baseball being played. Spring is in the air. Perhaps a return to normalcy. Uh, we know you you got your your COVID vaccination going. So hey, first one today, man. First first vaccine today. Next one's wow. A it, it was surreal. Like you know, my parents got vaccinated uh, last month, and I was just that's all I cared about. I'm like, I just need mom and dad vaccinated. You know, mm-hmm. if I had to stay indoors for another year or so be it, but I just need my mom and dad vaccinated. But then uh, when the governor moved up certain things in the order and, and I became eligible, I believe it was Friday. It's like, I, and then you try and you make, make an appointment. Right. And that's, that's kind of tough. But then I was literally watching the crown, which by the way, we could also talk about the crown for like days if you guys want. But I was watching the crown last night and I was like, I'll just see what if there's a an appointment on Safeway. Safeway had an appointment. And so I got vaccinated. I would I would not mind talking about the Royals, but this is a Rockies related show. So maybe maybe we shouldn't dip our toe in that that water. But back from broken is uh, is your podcast season two. Yeah did just get started back up. I, I listened to the Andrew Zimmern 
episode, which was just was fantastic. I'm I'm familiar with his work on the food shows. Sarah Ben and Casa uh, is is the most recent one, and this has been um, a labor of love, a, a labor of of it's a, it's your life. It's it's your life story. Tell us a little bit about you know the story of, of back from broken and the genesis of it all, and, and where that inspiration yeah. came from. Well, you know, I tweeted just today. I said, you know, I'm coming on your show to talk about two of my favorite topics. One is baseball, and then the other one is recovery. And as you guys know, recovery is very close to my heart. It's very near and dear to me. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there, and I felt like them for a long time, where you just feel all alone. Like, like you just feel like you, there's no other way to live except the wrong way. But you keep living that way because it's the only life you've ever known, right? Like I would always tell people, um, you know, how you, how you guys brush your teeth every day. That's how I did cocaine. Like it just, I just did it every day and I didn't even think about it because it was just, it became so ingrained in what I did um, every day. And, and um, you know, cocaine uh, is expensive. And, <laughs> and when you're doing it every day... And when you're a journalist, right, journalists don't make a ton of money to begin with. So it's like it's amazing that I wasn't living on the streets. I mean, thank God I wasn't. But I did wreck a lot of things in the process. Right. Like there was, you know, I ruined uh, finances. I ruined relationships and health and all this stuff. And you burn bridges because when you put drugs before anything else, um, everything else is a distant second. And when that happens, you're bound to burn uh, bridges. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a painful existence. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But the reason why I'm able to talk about this stuff is because I don't live like that any, anymore. And I've, and I've gone through recovery. I'm still in recovery. Um, and it, it, anything I can do to, to shine a light on this, on this issue of addiction and, and how we can get better and help other people out there not feel so all alone, um, uh, there's some magic in that, you know, there's some magic in when someone tells their really sad story where they've gone through hell in their life and you hear that story and you hear your story when someone else is telling theirs, it's a really powerful thing. And then you could say to yourself, wow, I don't feel alone anymore. And if this guy can get better, maybe I can get better. Right. And so that was the whole foundation that back from broken was born um it was i wanted to you know two things i know about a lot is 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 being a, a public radio host and and being a drug addict and uh i'm like what can i do to to share those experiences you know the know-how of being a, a host in news and the know-how of, of being someone who's gone through addiction and that's when Back From Broken came to my mind and I couldn't let it go. And I told my news directors about it, you know, two and a half, three years ago, and they loved it. And the rest is history. And I'm really proud of what we've accomplished so far. It's just been it's been terrific. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you put it that way, because I think that 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 comes through. And I can see some people, though, if you are hesitant to listen to Back From Broken, I always think about this, like, why would somebody not get into something this good? I think, well, they might think, well, I've never had addiction or maybe I don't know anyone who has. And there's actually something very powerful at the end of the Jake the Snake Roberts episode. Patrick and I are huge wrestling fans. We know you're. Yeah. that's another thing that we could do 
a whole conversation <laughs> about um, where he says, you do know somebody struggling with this and there's something that you can probably do to reach out and help them. But there's something that you said at the end of your own personal episode that really resonated with me. And, and you said it again, just now about coming back from being alone that I feel like, and because I found myself really resonating with both of those stories that are quite a bit more intense than mine, but I spent a lot of my twenties feeling very alone, being very isolated, probably drinking a bit too much. And it, you know, it wasn't a certain way, but I found myself saying, and, and then you said something about, you know, mental illness and anxiety and, and addiction and recovery isn't just about substance abuse all the time. And, and that's one you talk about a lot, but there's also just this notion you taught, you said a second ago, feeling alone. I think yeah. almost everybody out there at some point has felt really, really alone. And when you listen to these stories and you see how, like you said, people like you and Jake, the snake Robertson, the guys from the Lumineers have gotten through their situations and you go, okay, okay. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I'm not so alone. Maybe there's a community of us who can get through this together. It's really powerful stuff. I, I mean, that's beautiful. And, 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 and everything that you said there, I, I want to touch on a few things, but um, yeah, I, I, some of our biggest fans, some of our, some, a large part of our audience, our audience are people who, who haven't necessarily gone through addiction or mental health issues themselves, but know someone close to them and they just the show helps them get to know a loved one who is struggling like and that's the, the most frustrating thing man like I, I i say this all the time like it, it it's it's hard obviously living life in addiction but it was much harder for my parents it was much harder for the people who loved me because they could they felt so helpless so many people feel helpless, like, like my partner can't stop drinking and I don't know what to do and I can't relate to them. Right. Like that's right. I hear that all the time. And so if, if my show can can help people understand what a loved one is thinking, because, man, when when that addiction takes hold, um, it grabs on tight. You know, it's like, you know, a dog going after a squirrel and as soon as it's man it's it's i mean it gets your hooks in you and 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 it, you know it, it it makes you do things that you couldn't fathom doing sober like i look back and i and i think about the things that i did when i was high i'm like really i did that um but here's the other thing too i think that is a surprise to a lot of people when they hear the 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 episodes is there there's they're actually really funny like there's a lot of laughter that, that goes on uh, because we can relate to each other's stories. Um, and, and that's a beautiful place to be too. When, when two people who are in recovery can sit across from each other and tell very painful stories, but then find some levity, find moments of humor. Um, it, that's a real special place to be when, when, when you are so, um, uh, you know, so, in a good place with your recovery that you can have a laugh at some of the most painful things that's happened in your life. Um, that's a special place to be. And, and it's, it can happen. It absolutely can be you like, and I never would have thought that when I was smoking crack every day that I would be helping others. That's the last thing I thought I'd be doing, but this is what I'm doing. And it's a very beautiful thing. 
Yeah, it, it really is. I don't know if I think Patrick might be having a few technical difficulties. We'll see if we can get him back in here. But as you said, one of the things that I think is maybe a, a misnomer about those who struggle with addiction is that it's going to be automatically obvious to everyone around them. And, you know, we talked about uh, the, the way, you know, professional athletes or, or a number of other people and Jake, the snake Roberts, by the way, that is professional athleticism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's a few yeah. others you talked to on your show or just yeah. professionals. You, you said something in one of your episodes and, and I honestly, I can't remember. I was, I was kind of binging through a lot of them there, but there was something you said, uh, about living life every day, the normal things of every day when you're going through recovery and they expect you, you know, just to be at work on time every day and, and all the normal things that just become massive hurdles to try to overcome. And, and people don't realize that, you know, that's just a, a, a totally different part than what they may see publicly. And someone may look fine like, oh, I, I had no idea. I thought they were doing great. And there's this whole other struggle. Uh, and I, I found that a, a running theme kind of throughout all of the episodes. I mean, uh, that's, that is, I'm so, you're so smart to pick up on that because it is, uh, it's, it's a huge uh, thing to know about people in recovery. Like in many ways, and this may sound crazy to people, but like in many ways, quitting drugs is the easy part, right? You know, you, you can, you can get sober if, if, if someone you know, handcuffs you to a radiator for a month, right? Like you can get sober in prison. Um, but the recovery part where you actually have to look at yourself in the mirror and, and go through all the, your, your dirty laundry from, from the past to figure out what was driving your drinking or drugging in the first place. That's the hard part. And, and we call that living life on life's terms. Um, you know, when we get in a car and you're stuck in traffic and you're running late for work and you're the, the, the other guy gives you the finger because he cuts you off and the customer service representative is not very friendly and um, your boss is, is, is treating you like a dick, right? Like there's right. everyday stuff that every human goes through, right? It's harder for, for a lot of us in recovery because for many of us, we never learn how to behave. Like I, I had behavioral issues from when I was a little kid, I was throwing fits in the principal's office. I was getting kicked out of class. I was like, if a teacher or a cop told me what to do, you know, screw you. Um, and, and when you would have pain and consequences from that, like getting in trouble with the law, like getting in trouble at school, I just drank and did drugs. So I didn't really have to think about it. You know, it was the self-medication you take away the medication. Now you're dealing with the regular stuff that you never learned how to deal with on life's terms. And that's hard. I have a bad temper and, and that's something that may surprise some people, but I, that has been uh, one of my Achilles heels since I was a little kid. Like I will throw a fit, <laughs> you know, I will, like, uh, you know, it's since kindergarten, man. Like, you know, if the, if the teacher didn't let me like, color the thing that I wanted to color, you know, she's going to get a mouthful. And, um, <laughs> and <laughs> say, I'm sure, I bet there are a few journalists who have that story. <laughs> I was going to say no, that. Yeah. It sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but it's so true, man. Like, and, and then if I, if I lose my temper, dude, I feel so bad. It, it feels very much like a relapse when I lose my temper because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I kind of feel guilty because I've gone through so much recovery, but you have to give yourself a break. And what you said is exactly right. Like just because you're done with, with the drink or the drug doesn't make all of the things that you have upstairs, uh, uh, go away. That takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that, that really struck me again, as somebody who hasn't, you know, I, at least I don't, I don't think, who knows, I, I, I had to miss some time there in my twenties where it was a little bit, you know, I went through some very dark times and I, yeah. they're, they're not necessarily mine to talk about. It's why I haven't done as much on this show. Um, but, but they're the, your, they're, they're your problems though. Like, you right. know, just because you didn't get as, as nuts as I did, it was still a problem for you. So yeah. Right. Um, you know, and, and ended up, you know, leaving school for a little while. And it's how I got into music and, and doing those kinds of things. And then coming back out. And I, and I remember writing a line in a, in a song one time about how it felt like there was elation in the world everywhere, except for right here where I am. Right. This kind of, idea that like when you're struggling with something and you don't know who you are. And I, I think that's that, that self rebuilding is what anybody, almost anyone can identify unless you just have like the smoothest coming of age story in the history of man. Like, I think we've all had that point where you go, I don't want to be this person that I am anymore. And I think that's what I most identified with is, you know, this person that I was some very traumatic things happened in my life. Uh, I, I did struggle a little while to be purposefully alone for most of my 20s and just shut everybody out. And then to try to come out of that and say, who do I want to be? And that's part of how I ended up, you know, here in this situation. It's like, I love baseball. That's one of the things I know I care about. Is, is there some way for me to make that a part of my everyday life in a way that makes sense? And And hearing, you know, the way that kind of mirrored your story, I, I felt like a very kindred spirit in that way. Like it's you, your story is definitely more intense than mine, but the, the mirrors of the timeline are, are pretty incredible. No. And, and that's a really good point. And I think that's something that again, even people who, who haven't gone through addiction um, themselves can relate to that struggle uh, to find uh, the meaning of life, so to speak. Right. Like, and, uh, and to figure out who you are. And for a lot of us, that's tough. I mean, think about it. Like when you, when someone, you know, has been drinking and, and doing drugs every day since like, you know, you know, early high school, they don't know who they are. They just know what the drugs do for them. Right. right. And, and so like figuring it out along the way is, is kind of tough. Uh, that is a beautiful, it, it, it is a challenging part of recovery, but it's also a rewarding part of recovery, figuring out that I don't have to be that person anymore. Like, like the, 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 the addiction did not define me. It, it's a huge part of my existence, but it doesn't define who I am. Yeah. The temper tantrums does not have to define who I am. And, and learning through, um, you know, allowing a, a spiritual foundation in my life, not a religious one. But a spiritual foundation in my life allowed me to kind of understand that stuff and understand that I, I can just be who I am today, right now. Like I got vaccinated today. I have a little bit of a headache as far as a side effect. I'm okay with that, right? 
And then when I'm done, I'm going to make dinner and, you know, I'm okay with whatever happens today. Um, and that's a beautiful place to be when you can just be okay with whatever the world throws at you today. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for people that are in, in recovery, to put it in a phrase, it's taking one day at a time. Yeah. It's just understanding that you, you can't get uh, too wrapped up in, in the future and, and worrying about certain things and say, look, today is, is the day that I have control over. And it's, it's, it's giving away control, but it's also understanding that you do have control over the present tense over today. Yeah. I mean, it's the oldest cliche in the book, right? One day at a time. We've heard it a million times, even if you're not in recovery. Um, but it's brilliant. <laughs> right. Right. You're able to just like, I can't tell you guys how many times I'd, I'd sit in a meeting and I'd see this, you know, a poor kid struggling and he's, he's been sober for maybe one or two days. And he talks about like, you know, I don't know if I was, I was debating whether I should get sober right now. Like the Super Bowl party's coming up in a few weeks. My girlfriend's birthday is right around the corner. Like we, we have all these like mile markers ahead that we point to. And, and, and it's like, dude, that is weeks or months or whatever. Like, dude, we all we need to do is look at 2020 last year and see that months can be an eternity <laughs> like in terms of what happens in the world if if months is an eternity to us when you're just trying to get through the day sober months is an eternity as you have no business thinking that far ahead you have no business thinking a week ahead it's like what are you going to do today to treat yourself better, to treat others better, um, and, and to get through the day sober. That's all, th those are the only things you had to worry about. Has there been a moment in you doing this show again, back from broken, you're all listening to this on a podcast app right now, unless you're joining us live on YouTube, do try to join us live on YouTube. It's great. It's awesome. And you can ask questions and stuff, but <clears throat> Uh, almost everyone's listening to this on a podcast app right now, which means you can go and find Back From Broken, CPR, Vic Vela. It's all right there. Check it out. Um, has there been a moment that either really surprised you during all of this or that made you think, okay, yeah, this, this is why I did this. These were the stories I wanted to tell. This is the kind of moment that I think is going to resonate with me. Well, I, you know, I, I, I mean – I've, I've had a lot of special moments. Um, in, in I was going to say, it's a sports show, so we're like, pick your top number one. I know. <laughs> you, right? Power rank. Five, starting with five. five. One. <laughs> Give each one of them a BWAR rating. And <laughs> I can tell you, though, my, my personal favorite episode was Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, yeah. You know, I grew up, I'm, I'm, I have a few years on you guys, so I grew up during the prime of wrestling, the golden age of, you know, the 1980s, dude, like Hulk Hogan. No, you're right. You're Vic, right. I hate to interrupt you. <laughs> I was at WrestleMania four. Whoa. Yes. Macho four. man going over in the tournament. In the tournament. In live, Atlantic dude. City at Trump Hotel. I'm from Jersey. <laughs> so he, he, this guy knows. He knows it. One man gang oh, getting, man. A, getting a pass because of a draw. Oh, man, it was good times. It was that was like WrestleMania four was really good, like because you had like the ultimate like macho man, like somehow survived all of his matches, you know, and he was getting his ass kicked. 
and million dollar man like is the ultimate asshole who everyone hates yes. and is super entitled and of course he gets like a buy and and, <laughs> and andre the giant is cheating and yeah it's mm -hmm. it's amazing so i grew up with that stuff like when i was like a little kid and um and so, dude, I remember what it was like seeing Jake the Snake Robert. I mean, what a badass. Like, he's carrying a python <laughs> to the ring. Right. No way to fake that. <laughs> right. And, and he's just like, he, he kind of frightened me, too, because his, like, mm. promos were super dark and intense. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, mm -hmm. he was not a chump. And... Um, and so I remember that, but then it, it's, it was really something, I don't even know how many years later, decades later, when we can, I mean, you, I couldn't, as a journalist is in public radio and a guy in professional wrestling, you couldn't think of two totally different lives. Right. But the common bond was, was our addiction. And, and, and when we had a chance to talk about that, thing that we shared it was really special and um and he was the ultimate example like he's an extreme case of my god he had child there was child abuse sexual abuse and then everything all the crazy stuff that happens in pro wrestling um he is the ultimate uh, poster child for if that guy can get sober what's my excuse right like wow if jake the snake can can stop that so he was absolutely yeah and then but we haven't heard you'll hear this season one of the episodes we did was with this uh a teacher uh, from uh louisville kentucky who who struggled with alcoholism and uh we chose her because she's a good example of someone who is still in the struggle um and i think she a lot of people can relate to her in terms of the relapses, in terms of the hospital visits, in terms of just struggling to, to, to get it right. And I think that's an important story to tell too, you know, not just someone who has years of recovery, but someone who is still figuring this out anyway. So she, we, we, we shared a bond that you, that will, uh, you know, that we'll be sharing this season. Um, and I, you know, I became emotional during the interview. It's actually amazing I, that doesn't happen more often. But, um, you know, when you have that connection with someone and, and, and they tell you something powerful and it causes you to, to be overcome with emotions, um, man, that's the ticket there. Yeah. 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 With, with going back to Jake the Snake, it, it was, as you said, if he can figure it out, you know, yeah. we all can. Because he did it late in life. He was in his late fifties maybe. And he's yeah, still, man. you know, he's still battling with recovery and everything. And, and if you need a, a different sports example, the Shamiqua holds claw episode, I thought was um, a fantastic one. And just how she, you know, basically came to the conclusion that, you know, she has to remove certain bad influences from her circle and how, how much that can be a part of it, how you, maybe the relationships you have and the friends you have become part of your identity. And then if you want to change that aspect of, of addiction, then that means changing your, your, your group of friends and your circle that you surround yourself with. And that can be, that can be one of the hardest elements, I think, preventing some people from making that choice. That's exactly right. That, that is a really smart, smart observation, Patrick, because that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Like, 
okay, uh, maybe I'll get sober, but my friends are cool. And it's not that it's not to say that you're going to totally ditch these people. Like, you know, like with me, like, um, sure, I had some bad influences and I couldn't hang out with them anymore. But mostly my friends were really good, loving, caring people. I was the bad influence. <laughs> I needed to stop, <laughs> right? They needed to stop hanging out with me. Uh, but in a lot of cases, that is true. You really do have to kind of uh, say, you know, guys, I'm sorry. I, I need to take care of myself for a bit. It doesn't have to be permanent. It doesn't mean that you're never going to hang out with these people anymore. But it, part of that change, part of that recovery is you have to meet people. You have to have a community. Uh, and I don't know many people who have successfully gone through recovery on their own. I, I hats off to you, man. Like, I, you know, if that, if, if that's, yeah. but I don't know anyone who has done that. Like we all need help. Right. Because, you know, and, and I needed someone who I can go to Broncos games with. So I needed someone who I could go to Rockies games with sober, go to fish concerts. sober, right. Like there all the things that I love doing, having that and then you know you go play basketball with some sober guys and then you have lunch afterward you have to have the people in your life who are also in recovery um and that's that is probably my number one piece of advice to anyone who always asks me about recovery it's like dude you need a posse you absolutely need a posse and that's that's where going to meetings can be so powerful yeah. and and you know some people don't realize that and i have some experience in this world is is that um you know going to let's say an aa meeting you you don't necessarily have to say a single thing there's ones that you can go to where there's a speaker yeah. and you can hear someone else's story uh and i've been in those rooms to hear that and someone's sharing their story and they're more na they're more narcotics anonymous than um alcoholics anonymous but there's something in their story to that I can, you know, I can, I can pull something from an experience and say, okay, that was, that's why I'm here is, is for that reminder is for that element. And, and like you said, that's, that's your posse. That's the people that you can surround yourself with and know that, okay, these people can also help you get through it. And you can relate to them a lot more than those people that maybe you've known your entire life because it's, it's yeah. that relationship yeah. is based on something different. And that's exactly like, you know, you hear one of the phrases that gets tossed around in the rooms a lot, you know, is another one of those one day at a time things where it just sounds way too Pollyanna. But, you know, it's, it's to wait. <laughs> well, keep coming back. Yes. And, and don't leave before the miracle happens. Mm. So when you are, I can't tell you like how many times I've, I myself, you know, I'm just not in the mood to go to a meeting. I, I'm just in a foul mood, but I'll sit here. I'll whatever. And I hear something that somebody says that stirs me in ways that I wasn't even thinking. And I just have a jaw dropping moment. Like, oh, my God, what that person just said, I needed to hear right now. That happens right in, in, in the meetings that, that it is really a special, a magical place. Yeah, there's always going to be people who talk too much. People who, uh, you know, will try and scold you and wag their finger, you know, and, and, and uh, bash the, the big book against your head. But, um, but, but they do it out of love. You know, everyone has their own way. If you see past the things that, that, that you know, drive you crazy, 
stay for the things that happen because there will be things that happen. Um, and, and that's another piece of advice. Like it's tough. Like, you know, it is not an easy thing is going to a meeting for the first time is not an easy thing to do. It's a very brave thing to do. Like you walk in that door and you're surrounded by strangers. You don't know them from Adam. They don't know you. And, and you're, having a hard time anyway because you're just trying to be sober for one day that's brave uh but when you do it it's an incredible feeling you i always tell people it's like your your life can change in ways you can't even imagine you can't even imagine um and um you know and i become emotional when i talk about this stuff too you know, and, 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 and I think the thing is, too, is like um, you just got to give yourself a chance. Uh, you know, it's anyone who says, um, hey, you know, I've been uh, I don't know if I could get sober. What am I going to do for fun? I hear that a lot, too. I, what, what if I drugs and alcohol are fun? What am I going to do for fun? I would say to him, you're in a recovery meeting right now, dude. When's the last time drugs were fun for you? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it fun going to fucking jail and, and getting pulled over? And like, really? <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got a weird definition of fun, my man. All right. Well, uh, I, I can tell you, we can all tell you from a firsthand, I guess, first ear experience that it has won awards for a reason. You've got to check out back from broken make sure you're following vic on twitter before we let you get out of here though do give us your minute and a half or two minute state of your rockies fandom <laughs> oh man just, just all of oh, the emotions man. out as, as quickly as you can you know gosh it's tough I, you know I, it's funny um in recovery i don't take sports as seriously as i, I used to. man i get in fights at games like I remember Nuggets Lakers, you know, getting in fights with like full of cocaine and booze and and throwing punches. So yeah, I used to take sports way too seriously. Um, but now I just appreciate it, right? Like I don't I'll still really cheer and root and whatever. But if my team, you know, um comes up short, then 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 that then so be it. Life goes on. That being said, I feel really, really bad for Rockies fans. I, I just, y'all don't deserve what's happening. Uh, you know, all, all Rockies fans ever do is fill up that stadium every summer. That's all they ever do, right? And yeah. and 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 all you ask for in return is that maybe your team will be competitive. Maybe your owners will work in good faith to put out a competitive team. I mean, I'm a native, you know, I'm, I grew up in Longmont and, and I've, um, I can't remember a time it really in any sports when, when an entire community felt like they had their heart ripped out when Nolan was traded, like we've had some sad moments in, in Colorado sports history, but I can't remember the last time that the reaction was so emotional, so powerful. Um, I don't know where we go from here. It would be nice if we had some hope, but I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm cheering for John Gray. I'm cheering for Kyle Freeland, right? Like, how can you not? Um, and Trevor's story is a special talent, but, but what, what do we have? 
what do we really have right now? Whole bunch of young guys after that. So we'll we'll find out. If, if nothing else, self-discovery. That'll be the, the theme of this episode of, of your episodes and of this season for the Rockies, because we don't know, right? So well, and let me ask you, Jared, let me ask you guys real quick. I you've probably been asked this a million times. The whole boycott Coors Field thing, um, does would that do any good? I think it could. I think it could. It would just take so much orchestration, and yeah. it would be very hard. I mean, anytime you can successfully boycott a, a system or organization like that, I think it brings about change. However, how do you get it to be successful is kind of the biggest obstacle, and that's a really big obstacle, especially coming out of a pandemic when people aren't allowed to go outside and do anything. And now they are, you know, what's lesser of two evils. Yeah. Yeah. Less of two evils is, you know what, for my mental health, I got to go to a ball game rather than boycotting the Rockies. And I think, to be honest, I I think Dick Monfort and his, uh, his folks understood that that was at stake. And you know what, I can kind of get away with things a little bit. That's just being a smart businessman is understanding, you know what, I have an opportunity here to maybe get away with one to a certain degree. That that's a really good point, and and I can you can't blame fans for wanting to go to a ballpark for crying out loud. Right. It's you know, it's one of the the best in the majors. You know, field. It's amazing how it's held up in the twenty five years that it's been around. Um, the uh, yeah, we've been cooped up in our houses all day. Can you blame people for wanting to take their kid? to to a beautiful ballpark in june or whenever and you know and me like coors field became my 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 new bar like i went to bars every night right when i was drinking um coors field i go to a lot of rockies games of course to to enjoy the game but i go there with friends and we just talk like it's just like you're sitting in a backyard and and there's baseball and you enjoy it and that's good for my mental health. That's good for everyone's mental health. And to expect people to do that, it really puts people in a tough position. And again, it adds to the resentment, I think, that a lot of fans feel that their ownership has put them in this situation. Because um, all fans want to do is be a fan. Right. Yeah. I yeah, think that's tough. right. And that's that's tough. And I know there are fans who are feeling bad about it. It's like, I just want to go to the games and people are yelling at me for not boycotting and it's tough and and i'm with patrick i think it's possible but super unlikely and so you know i i have have implored people to take different directions email the owner tell them specifically what you're not happy about we talked about boycotting on the 28th of every month or maybe the fourth or fifth or picking a day every month so you can send the message because ultimately i don't think you're going to organize enough people actually make it work but that doesn't mean you give up and you don't do anything i think there's clever ways to send the message that this fan base as you put it they're like they've had their heart ripped out and then if you boycott then what what does that mean like when the cardinals come to town or the yankees or the cubs it's going to be 90 well it's overwhelmingly (laughs) them anyway but it's going to be like 10 times worse right like in terms of it's going to be a home game for these guys right um I don't know what the answer is. I just, my heart is broken for, for Rockies fans. Um, Cause I, I, I know friends who have season tickets and they don't know what to do. And I feel really bad. Uh, I'm like, I don't know. I understand. 
I don't envy your position. Yeah. Nope. I wish we'd have the answer to that, but unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. uh, we will continue to watch and, and do the thing and, and, you know, look for guys like Brendan Rogers and Ryan McMahon and Sam Hilliard and Garrett Hampson's. And, and you mentioned the guys and you, you root for the individuals, not the organization. I think that's what you yeah. gotta do. Right? I mean, I think you have to, I mean, I, I was, um, uh, we didn't have baseball in the eighties here in Colorado, aside from, you know, the Zephyrs, but, um, so I grew up a Cubs fan. I think like a lot of people in Colorado, uh, you know, I summer school got out and Cubs games were always during the day before the lights came to Wrigley. And so the, the Cubs felt like they were my team. They were very real to me when I was a you know second, third grade or whatever. Um, you talk about some bad teams like the Cubs <laughs> <laughs> were bad forever. But you still found yourself rooting for for Andre Dawson to hit another home run or Sammy Sosa before you knew better. And Carry Grace. Yeah, like uh, and and that's so even though they played on some very bad teams um, and didn't get a lot of help from their front office, you still have a lot of great memories. And I hope that that's what people like Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story. Uh, can do for this generation of Rockies fans, at least give them something that they can remember well, uh, even though they may not be uh, winning a division anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did want to know, I did want to know who you were a fan of. So you said Cubs. Who, yeah. And, and, and this is one of the, the elements that doesn't go away. Sure. The team might not win a lot. You're upset about Arenado, but you're still going to have your favorite players on the team. So when the Cubs were bad there in the early mid eighties like that, who was your – did you have a guy that, hey, didn't really get to go to the postseason, but he was still your guy? Who was your okay, favorite player? Well that, okay, didn't go to the postseason. That's a tough one. I was going to – my my favorite Cubs growing up were, were Ryan Sandberg and Sean Dunstan. Um, Shawan, yeah. Sean Dunstan. The, the, the Schwanometer. Remember that they would have the – Yes. <laughs> when his batting average is – um, I love the guy. Uh, fast. Wow. Dunstan was fast. Um, I played middle infield through Little League and, and everything, and I wore 23 because of Ryan Sandberg. Uh, so middle infield was always my heart and soul, so I loved those guys. They did get to play when the Cubs went in 89 uh, to, to the playoffs. Uh, they didn't last very long, but at least they got there. Um, and then in 98 again, uh, that was when Sammy and Kerry Wood and those guys um, – Ron Say was another one. I don't remember if he made the 84 playoffs. Leon Durham was an 84 playoff. Yeah, but those are some magical names, right? Like, you know, Andre Dawson was the MVP when the Cubs lost like 90 games. <laughs> right. It's like, what? But like, the he was the Hawk. He was special, hitting 49 homers on a terrible why do you even pitch to him <laughs> right why ever these days no one else can hit the ball just don't right. even pitch he somehow got 49 home runs god love him <laughs> damon berry hill yeah. come on is that a name damon, that's a, that name. a name that is a name holy cow oh. damon, damon berry hill um it is too bad harry not never got it not never got to see them win though All that's right. too bad yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, uh, Hawkins, special player. 
Vic Vela, special man. We appreciate your time back from Broken. Special podcast. It really, really is. You've got to download it. Make it uh, a regular part of your, your podcast rotation there. And perhaps maybe even more importantly than that, uh, share it with friends and family and people who you think, you know, may share this episode on YouTube with people, but share the Back From Broken episodes, um, you know, whatever their entry point may be. And they're a music fan who loves the Lumineers like I do, Denver, but boom, they've got an episode. They're a wrestling fan. Boom, Jake the Snake. You find the way you can share it with people uh, and, and spread, spread the word, spread the message, spread the love around. Uh, it, yeah. it really is. It's a gift, frankly, Vic, that, that you're giving to the world. And we appreciate you taking the time. Man. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, be good. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. Vic. Also, make sure you're following him on social media at Vic Vela One. Uh, what a what a great, great dude. I've, I've always wanted to have a long conversation with him. We've chatted on social media over the years so that I've been a fan of his work. But uh, that, that was that was a treat. For me. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to know kind of what his thoughts on on Jake Roberts continuing uh, at AEW. Like he's he's back. Like he has a role, right. a positive role in wrestling. Right. David, there was a great episode uh, on a gentleman named David Mellor who written a book um, about his career as a as a groundskeeper and has had a real interesting story, both for the Brewers and then eventually for his hometown Boston Red Sox. That was a great story of redemption. So. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of really great content coming out of Back From Broken. Got to check that podcast out. Well, I didn't want to interrupt any of that conversation with ads because I thought that might be a little bit insensitive. So let's go ahead and uh, remind you a little bit about f- some of our favorite sponsors. Of course, you know, Hassle Cattle Company, Wagyu Beef That Cannot be beat it's another one of them i talk about how strava craft coffee has changed my life well hassle cattle cap cattle company easy for me to say also changed my life it's much better beef better for you they treat the animals better none of the uh, antibiotics and hormones and all that garbage it tastes way better which is probably the thing that most people care most about it's just delicious beef and it's award-winning hamburgers i'm a big fan of the ground beef ground chuck whatever happens to be on promotional sale right now there's all kinds of stuff you can do with that we make chili we make burritos uh all kinds of great stuff you can do a little bit of a pot pie situation with some ground beef in there Uh, if you're a steak person they cannot be beat wagyu beef from hassle cattle company really is some of the best tasting beef you're ever going to have in your life i have the open challenge out there have not gotten one single negative review i'm probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 25 people have been like drew this is delicious this is this is amazing stuff zero zero people have said eh, it was okay even i haven't even gotten that right nope. so use promo code dnvr10 you'll get 10 percent off and if you do order to over 200 bucks you'll get free shipping highly recommend you go all in on it hasslecattlecompany.com h-a-s-s-e-l-l cattle company dot com i want i want people i want people to start leaving notes uh leaving notes in 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 the request when they have their order say when is drew creaseman going to get on tiktok and have his own hassle cattle company cooking show because i want to see you making all these you're you're, you've been getting into you've been mixing it up i I know you've long been a pizza guy but now you're all into the the meat preparation and doing this and the other you've definitely changed your game up uh, directly really. in correlation to Hassle Cattle Company. I am fry up the steaks and stuff. I will say I've I still leave the ground stuff 
to the missus. She does. She's a, she's okay. brilliant with that stuff. But I can I can fry up a steak. Okay, I can do that all right. So we're I'm learning. That'll be good. It'll be it'll be one of those cooking shows where everyone's learning along together. <laughs> yeah, uh, with each other. Now, if you are eating a whole lot of ha Hassle Cattle Company and you're maybe drinking a lot of Strava Craft coffee. You're you're having your Breck brews. You're doing that thing. Well, you might want to head to Green Mountain Dental. Make sure those teeth are really well taken care of. Uh, they're they're the absolute best, man. You want to go to the dentist. I know. I, I get a little bit of dental anxiety. Uh, I know how that goes. For those of you out there who you know, maybe it's been a while. You're like, I really should go, but I don't want to. Nobody really, really wants to. But you gotta take care of your teeth. Once you do, you're going to feel so much better and do it with people who make you feel good. I promise you from personal experience, it makes a big, big difference when they've got you in mind and they're not just treating your teeth like they're working on a computer or something like these guys, they, they'll take care of you. They'll talk to you about sports a little bit. They're in your world. They've been a longtime supporter of DNVR. Just 15 minutes outside of downtown Denver over there in Lakewood. Check them out at Green Mountain Dental. And uh, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule an x-ray cleaning and exam. Really no reason not to get those teeth taken care of right now. We know, we know Allie is, uh, has been taken very well care of right. by the Green Mountain Dental folks. And she's, she's, had her, she's had her issues. And they've, they've definitely helped see her through the forest on that in a major way. That's, that's impressive to see what they've been able to do for her. And last one, since I loaded these up at the end, and again, thank you so much for Vic, but you know some people who could absolutely probably use a little bit of Green Mountain Dental work. Those are our friends cool. over for the Colorado XOs. <laughs> Rugby players are known every once in a while to get a tooth knocked loose. You might want to get that checked out. And if, hey, you're going, that sounds like some entertaining stuff. It really, really is. <laughs> if you've never watched rugby before, I promise you, you'll get right on board the first episode you check out from our guy Colton Strickler on the DNVR Rugby Podcast, maybe head over to that section of the DNVR.com if you're a subscriber. Read some of the articles there. I'll get you all up to speed. Uh, the Colorado Exos are one and one right now, and the Rugby World Cup team is getting scheduled to kick off. Mark your calendars Ooh. on April 3rd and 10th. Rugby Town USA, right here in Colorado, man, you want to you want to support this. You want to support sports in your hometown, especially that are going national. Check them out. All that rugby stuff over at the DNVR Rugby Podcast. Yeah, once you get your vaccination, man, you can go out there, be there in person. We're not sure exactly what the numbers are for uh, attendance if and when they do start selling tickets. But we know the Colorado Rockies now increased to 42.36%. About not exactly sure of that number, but 42%, I think, was was the digit there. And so, wow, that's that's really going to be a nice little upgrade there. At, at yeah. course. Do, do you think they're going to sell out every game as far as yeah. the percentile? Yeah. Pretty easily, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, what do you, it's half is 25,000, 26,000. Yes, it'll be a little under 25,000. A little under that. I mean, they what do they average? Like when it's bad, when it looks kind of empty in there, it that's thirty thousand people. Yes, yeah. Uh, Tuesday <laughs> so, night against the Padres from a couple right, of years ago. Right, they're still getting about it's like 20,228. and yeah. you go. Yeah, there's some walking around room, and and I think I even saw they're gonna have some like five dollar seats too that are gonna be available because again they just that's want cool. to get you in there and you're like yeah right that's cool and that's 
that's going to lead to more people wanting to go and being it's, more comfortable. So it's affordable. Yeah. I'm having many thoughts at once right now. It's cool in one way for sure, at the very least, that you know, with limited capacity, it's not just going to be dramatic price gouging all over the board. But yeah. Uh, hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure about the secondary market, what that'll look like. Justin Wick, yeah. uh, Purple Row, wrote something up today uh, about this idea that, you know, yeah, I, I, we don't know what the secondary market is going to look like. I know some of the early games in spring training, you know, got to be a little crazy. There were there was some tickets that were like on a, a StubHub that you could get some some point uh, during the season, but that's because there really just aren't tickets available. So that's a season ticket holder saying, hey, you know what? If you want to go to this game and give me, oh, I don't know, $200 for, you know, a, a, a seat out in left field, Sure, why not? I'll I'll take that bit of a profit. But we don't know that that's going to continue to happen. And right. if it does, it could be could be even more expensive than that. All right, let's finish off on this. The Colorado Rockies did play a spring training game today against the Arizona Diamondbacks again. Uh, <laughs> it's Groundhog's Day. Uh, they they won eleven to four, and the first time really a power display from the offense. A little bit of that's right. We both got that. If you weren't on YouTube today, you only found out just now. We both got the rake shirts going on because what do you know? Hey, it's a little early, and it's not necessarily indicative of it, of anything. However, the guys who hit the home runs, Brendan Rogers, his second of spring, and an absolute mm -hmm. screamer. He just pulverize that baseball ryan mcmahon with a home run to straightaway center field uh you know he's going well when he's taking that ball right back up the middle trevor story no surprise there the guy can still hit home runs he's also got two in spring training and then cj crone who had a huge day, day. Today. went he off was just annihilating baseballs out there uh so a pretty impressive display from the Rockies offense there that, again, you maybe don't expect to see all the time, but those are guys who all – none of those guys, is it surprising they've got power? No, no. Yeah, it's not going to be too often that we're necessarily we're going to be able to wear the Colorado Rake shirt, so I think that's another reason why <laughs> we got to get it in in now, you know, before the cobwebs the develop. <laughs> Pretty much. But, yeah, I, I love to see that, you know, that uh, especially – you know, coming off the heels of that one nothing game just the other day, where they they scored a run without a hit, they were actually able to do that at one point. They finally ended up getting two hits over the seven innings. But yeah, they they looked real good. They they clicked well. You know, story. You know, and, and just his third game, kind of limited action. You don't worry about him. I, I put out a tweet about Charlie Blackman now being you know zero for nine, only one strikeout. But again, who cares? Right. Are we really worried? Are we really worried? And again these guys are working on very specific things. And for Charlie Blackman, he's like, okay, look, I've, I'm a veteran for a, a decade now at this point. So I know what I do well. So I'm not going to have a problem turning on one of those down and in fastballs. I'm, I'm going to yank that thing right down the line without, without fail. So let me work on pitches on the outside portion right. of the plate. So I'm, I'm going to lay off all those, you know, pitch. He could have had three home runs by this point in spring on fastballs down and in. But he but doesn't not. need that. Right. He wants to add a different facet to his game. And so th that's what these guys work on. And so you take all of it with a grain of salt here and there. As you said, CJ Crone broke out. He was in a, I think, one for 13 slump, adding 077. Really, there's not a question if, if that he's going to hit. But but now kind of 
breaking out in a in a big way. His I double today there's 115 miles an hour off the bat. That's that's spicy stuff. That's that's he's a big dude. Yeah. He's a big, he's a big dude. And I think, you know, a lot of people um are, are, are thinking it's Fuentes' job to lose, but I, I don't know that that's true. Maybe it should be, a, maybe not. It's a split time situation, honestly. I think they like both of these guys for totally different reasons, and they're gonna try to get the most out of each of them. You know? I think, and again, it's strange because you go, you put CJ Cronin at first base, he might be more productive than Josh Fuentes offensively. Well, he will be offensively. Almost defensively, maybe not. We know we know how good Fuentes is. See the play Fuentes gold made today? Her. Holy cow. Yeah. He's he's a gold glove first baseman. If, yep. if he were to play an entire and, and enough where we know that sometimes those kind of, you know, end of season defensive awards have somewhat to do with what guys do at the plate, but his defense I think is so solid that people would definitely take notice cuz again, you don't see first baseman making acrobatic plays. You never. I mean, go back and look at what Nolan Arenado did as a rookie. Yeah, he did good as a rookie. He wasn't an MVP candidate by any stretch of the imagination. His glove was just so good that people go, get a load of this kid in Colorado. They would be saying that about Fuentes over at first base if they were to give him the job. So it's his catch-22. You go, you know what? Crone, I think, is going to help contribute to more wins for the Rockies, however, if you want the better story and you want the team to look, not get those extra three, four wins over the course of a season, because that's going to improve your draft pick next year, go with Josh Fuentes. Or you do a mix of both. I really do think that they're going to go uh, CJ Crone. I, I think they will start with CJ Crone. I think we're going to see plenty of both of them. Uh, I, I get the Could sense they trade him? Crone? Could they? Could they have CJ Crone start? Sure. Get their money's worth. Yeah. Send them off. Improve that farm system. We don't see sure. them doing that. That that I doesn't happen it. very often. I would it's, love it. It's been several years since, at the very least, I think they've gone into a season thinking that's something they might even consider. Right? Which fair enough. Um, right. But I. That's true. Um, but I, I I would I wouldn't be totally shocked. But I'm with you. It'd be a little bit like okay, they don't do this very often. This is a step in a in a slightly different direction. There's a couple guys great. on the team who who fit that bill even uh even guys you might really hate to see with a little extra time on it like daniel bard and scott oberg are really going and those guys you've got a lights out back end of the bullpen on a 73 win baseball team you might want to move those guys at the deadline well that that brings up a really interesting point about uh, you know daniel bard a year with the Rockies and, and, and not even again, we're, we're talking about shortened season, but whatever he's, you know, he'll, he'll always be remembered. He'll always have a special place in, uh, in, in the organization's history, but Scott Oberg is a Rocky. He's, yeah. When you, when you talk about, you know, leadership after Charlie Blackman, it's Scott Oberg is number two. Yeah. And then you got Trevor story, John Gray, and both those guys are free agents. So you right. don't want to lose Scott Oberg. And, and that would certainly be sad. It, it's not going to be to the level of Nolan Arenado, but you're going to go, ah, the one guy that you know you wanted to see around, but you know what? With it, with the stuff going on with his health, you know, and I think in a similar way to David Dahl, where David Dahl, hey, they got nothing for him, but you go, we're happy for David Dahl. We even talked about it on the podcast this this off season. We said, you know what? If they were to move on from him, you'd almost give him a pass to a certain degree. You almost want him to go elsewhere for him as the human being. Not good for the team, but good for him as a human being. I think mm. it would be good for Scott Oberg. 
if he were to go to a, a, another destination. So he's a name that I wouldn't think of. Like you, you said, Hey, there's a lot of guys, you know, that you could do Michael Givens, another guy, Robert Stevenson, you know, still has a couple years of control, but you're not tied to those guys. If you can offload them and create some room in the, in the bullpen for some of these younger guys, improve your farm system, you should do it. But Scott Oberg, you know what, when you think of the health stuff, I'm with you on that. It's, that wouldn't be it's bad. It's something to think about. It's something it to is. consider. It and is. and another thing to think about and consider that's more fun than who can the Rockies offload is, could <laughs> this be the Brendan Rodgers? I mean, like, again, it's, it's early. It's a, yeah. But but the way he turned on that baseball today, hit it, and everybody in the ballpark knew it was gone the second it left his bat, even though it only got like 15 feet off the ground. Like, and the confidence with which he just turned and and, and jogged the bases, I was like, we haven't seen that guy in, in MLB regular season yet. We've seen him a little bit at spring training. Right. We've seen him a little bit. We've seen a lot of the minors, honestly. That's what he looks like in the minors. And we saw that, and I went, ooh, okay. People are starting to get hyped. This is a thing. I think it could be the year of Brendan Rodgers. I saw everyone up on my Twitter today excited about it. Um this could be a fun season. I think this is the guy that's going to be the most fun to watch for at least the next couple of months. We'll go back and, and think about 2019. And one of the guys that was most fun to watch was Ryan McMahon, you know, breaking yep. 20 homer mark. And you go, this is the next guy. And anyone with a pulse said in 2020, McMahon is going to be a dude. And he wasn't. Okay, that's fine. He, he very well could be a dude this year. But Brendan Rodgers could go out and have that McMahon 2019 season this year. And you go, all right, there we go. We got the replacement for Nolan Arenado here, and he's still got some more growth to make and whatnot. But you feel a lot better about, about 2022. Like there's and, and that's the thing. Again, we, we yeah, we're, we're putting pig on a, on a lipstick at times. Yeah, we, we, we get it. But um, there again, in a year from now, we could be thinking a lot differently about this team. Maybe not a lot, like, oh, they're gonna win a World Series, but you go, all right, we're a year, we're a year away from Arenado, and look at what this guy did in 21. Look at what that guy did in 21. They've got a little, you know, free, free uh cap space, and they go out and they are able to sign some mid, you know, tier guys. They did it with Gerardo Parra before they were ready, and that that played out pretty well. They right. did it with uh Michael Kadire when they weren't necessarily there. That worked out well when at least when he was healthy. Um, so they could dip he their toe well, back yeah. in that free agent market, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Now, all, all of that stuff. If the last year has taught us nothing, Patrick, it's that a lot can change in a year. <laughs> and there are many shades of lipstick to put on. Ted <laughs> that that's also also correct. <laughs> Is that so, going to be a T-shirt? I think we might have to get Eric so. to do something. With a pig with purple lipstick? I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Well, <laughs> some of the lipstick can take the form of what we're going to talk about on tomorrow's DFA show. Again, make sure you're yeah. subscribed to the YouTube channel. But we're going to be talking about upcoming milestones for your Colorado Rockies to break. We know they're not going to be, you know, winning a whole lot of games, almost certainly. The, the milestone of winning the most games in franchise history, not likely to occur. But there are some pretty fun uh, individual records to be broken by your Colorado Rockies that will almost certainly happen in the coming season. And so it's something to look forward to. It's not as good as wins. No, we understand that. We're not saying that. But um, we, you know, we, we're going to do that sometimes. We appreciate you, you all coming through. I think it's going to be a fun show. Um, no, it, it definitely will. Because think about all the stuff that, you know, the content we created, not just this off season, but the, 
14-month off-season <laughs> from the pandemic. But we really dove into the, to the history of the Colorado Rockies. It's something that, again, the organization might not do it, but we're going to do it here. And tomorrow's uh, DFA show is going to look at, hey, who are the guys that people are going to be talking about in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time? And you go, hey, this guy has the franchise record for X. Or when you talk about the only players right. who have ever done this in franchise history, there are guys on this roster right now that have a chance to put themselves in that upper echelon. And that's something that, you know, you, you can't lose sight of this year. It's going to be, they're going to be the, the, the game within the game is, is can this guy reach this milestone for the Rockies? And that that's going to be one of the more exciting things I'm looking forward to this season. Yeah, for sure. And I'd like to end with this comment since it just did come in. Appreciate you from Mr. Jerry saying as a recovering heroin addict, I appreciate you guys so much for having this conversation. We need to end the stigma around mental illness and addiction. And I just want to say, I put a little bit of my story in it earlier, talking about my stuff. I didn't want to make it about me, but talking about mental illness is something that I could do a little bit more and, and, and better as well. Cause you're right. We, we have to end the stigma around those things and be able to have conversations with this. He finishes. Thank you to Vic and DNVR. Love y'all back at you, Mr. Jerry. And, and you're right. Thank you so much to Vic uh, for, for sharing all that with us. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us. Make sure you're following everyone on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. And again, it's at Vic Vela one there on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com. You'll get all that written content, plus discounts on hats, shirts, masks, bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. And you get access to our private chat room, the Discord channel, where you can share your thoughts on all the sports goings on, everything you need to know or want to know about the Colorado Rockies, but also talking pro wrestling, movies, TV, snowboarding, skiing, hiking, food, anything and everything under the sun. We're all a great big community here, and we're made ever the better when all of you participate in it. And so uh, just thank you all for, uh, again, sharing with us a, a more serious conversation today, but uh, I think uh, an important and, and valuable one. So. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. I promise you we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. As always, we hope that show put a smile on your face and to make sure that your smile is the best that it can be, head over to our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group located just 15 minutes outside of downtown Denver. They're the best family-owned dentist in the metro area, longtime supporters of DNVR. We absolutely love them. They absolutely love us. And they'll absolutely take care of you, make you feel comfortable, maybe even make going to the dentist somehow a positive experience for it. I promise you they're the best, most in tune to what you've got going on in your life, Dennis, you're ever going to find. So if you're looking for a new family dentist or just need to get some work done, schedule that cleaning x-ray or exam today and you will get yourself hooked up with a free Sonicare toothbrush from our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group.